Shalom. My name is Adam, and I welcome you to the parable of the vineyard. Every day, Yahuwah is waking up a remnant, a group of people who are coming out of deceptions, realizing our walk is to consist of faith and obedience to His righteous commands. Each week, we read through and examine a portion of the Torah, allowing the Spirit of the Most High to guide, teach, and open our eyes and ears to the wondrous matters out of His law. Join us as we seek to be refined by His Word, preparing ourselves for the return of our King of Kings, being faithful and obedient, walking in His way, truth, and life. And Shabbat Shalom, and welcome back, brothers and sisters, to the Parable of the Vineyard Torah portions. This is week three. Lech Lecha will be going over Genesis chapters 12 through 17. And uh, this is all about the the call of Abraham uh, out of his home country uh, to go where Yahuwah has sent him, which is, of course, ultimately Canaan. And, uh, of course, uh, the story as, as we know it. So uh, this is a very, very interesting Torah portion and a lot to go over. I know I say that every time, but uh, I got to tell you, um, before we get started, I am so, I haven't been this pumped up about this Torah portion cycle. I haven't been, I haven't been this pumped up in so long and I have to tell you why. Um, it's something that uh, I just hadn't really studied out uh, in depth before, uh, which was the uh, adding in the Targums. This year, I really felt like the Father was like, um, Masoretic, which we'll be reading from the Sefer, of course, uh, the Septuagint, which we kind of did last year, uh, but all, and also this year, not only the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, you know, just checking the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, version as well, or the manuscripts, but the Targums this year, and uh, I kind of just stayed away from the Targums because I really didn't know a whole bunch about them. Uh, even growing up in Judaism, I really never heard of the Targums, um, as funny as that was. But, or it's not funny, but you know what I mean, as interesting as that is. But uh, I just, I guess I always kind of just understood them, thought thought them to be like just rabbinic commentary and whatnot, uh, but it's not that at all. It's it's really, it's it's a uh, an Aramaic... Um, translation of the scriptures and it's the oldest that we have it's older than the Septuagint it's at least 200 years older than the Septuagint and I gotta tell you going going um I'm only through uh halfway through Exodus right now but going through Genesis and going through Exodus uh, halfway and reading the Psalms and Isaiah and the Targums brothers and sisters this is a treasure hunt and I'm really excited to share uh, some of those findings with you this tour portion cycle so uh, anyways with that being said I just want to let you know I'm pumped up uh, in, in a, just an amazing way for for his word this feels like 2015 all over again um, which was the year uh, really coming to uh, really coming to the father uh, through biblical cosmology and um, well, of course, learning about the amazing ways of coming back to his Torah. So anyways, with that being said, let's pray and ask him to bless this and let's move on to the study because as always, we've got a lot to cover. So Heavenly Father, Most High, uh, we just come before you in Yahusha's name and we just thank you for 
quite frankly, the desire to follow you, the desire to know you. And we know that we're not to glory in anything, but to glory in that uh, this fact that we, we know and understand you and your word. And uh, this is just more precious than anything that we can uh, attain on this earth. So we thank you for that. And we just pray you continuously work and cultivate our heart that we bring forth the right fruit that you so desire and that you strengthen us, that we uh, we would never dare go to the left or the right hand of your way, of your, of your, your narrow path. Uh, we love you, we bless you, and we pray that you open our eyes and ears to hearing the wondrous matters out of your Torah. In Yahusha's name, we, we pray in all these things. Amen and hallelujah. So let's, uh, let's get right into it, and we're going to do a screen share, and uh, actually what we're going to be doing, if just in case you missed the first couple weeks, um, we are doing the Word Audio Project, which is a, a dramatized version of uh, reading the scriptures based off of the Sefer. Um, I will warn you that these, these chapters are still in their kind of rough cut phase. Uh, there's no sound effects, it's just kind of the background music with the reading, and um we're we're working on getting that finalized, so it's a massive ma- massive undertaking. But we're very excited to do it. So uh, if you if you hear me reading, but you don't see my lips moving, it's because it's a pre-recorded uh, reading of this audio. So we'll be doing that, and then we'll kind of go back and, and fill in some of the gaps. So actually, excuse me, I forgot to mention uh, before we get started, we're actually going to read the book of Jasher, uh, chapter eleven, verse one through chapter twelve, verse forty-four, and this is a story that uh, was completely taken out of the Septuagint and the Masoretic, but is included in Jasher and is actually confirmed in the Targums. Uh, This is one of the most amazing stories of Abraham that you may have never, ever heard. And this kind of fits the gap right before he's called out of... um, called out of the Ur of the Chaldees, uh, which we're going to start with in Genesis chapter 12 tonight. But So before we do that, let's fill in this hole of the story that you may have never heard about Abraham. And again, this is the uh, book of Jasher, or Yashar, or Yashar uh, chapter 11. <clears throat> and Nimrod, son of Cush, was still in the land of Shinar, and he reigned over it and dwelt there, and he built cities in the land of Shinar. And these are the names of the four cities which he built, and he called their names after the occurrences that happened to them in the building of the tower. He called the first Babel, saying, Because Yahweh there confounded the language of the whole earth, and the name of the second he called Erech, because from there Elohim dispersed them. And the third he called Eched, saying, There was a great battle at that place. And the fourth he called Kalna, because his princes and mighty men were consumed there, and they vexed Yahweh, and they rebelled and transgressed against him. And when Nimrod had built these cities in the land of Shinar, he placed them in the remainder of his people, his princes, and his mighty men that were left in his kingdom. And Nimrod dwelt in Babel, and there he renewed his reign over the rest of his subjects. And he reigned securely, and the subjects and princes of Nimrod called his name Amraphel, which we'll actually see in Genesis 14. Uh, One of the kings is called Amraphel, but uh, little do we know that the Masoretic hid the fact that Amraphel is Nimrod saying that at the tower his princes and men fell through his means. Notwithstanding notwithstanding this, Nimrod did not return to Yahuwah, and he continued in wickedness and teaching wickedness to the sons of men. And Mardon, his son, was worse than his father, and continued to add to the abominations of his father. And he caused the sons of men to sin. Therefore it is said, From the wicked goeth forth wickedness. At that time there was war between the families of the children of Ham, as they were dwelling in the cities which they had built. 
And Cheder Leomer, king of Elam, went away from the families of the children of Ham. And he fought with them, and he subdued them. And he went to the five cities of the plain, and he fought against them, and he subdued them, and they were under his control. And they served him twelve years, and they gave him a yearly tax. At that time died Nahor, son of Sarug, in the forty-ninth year of the life of Abram, son of Terach. And in the fiftieth year of the life of Abram, son of Terach, Abram came forth from the house of Noah and went to his father's house. And Abram knew Yahuwah, and he went in his ways and instructions. And Yahuwah, his, and Yahuwah, his Elohim, was with him. So it's really interesting that uh, Noah and Shem kind of had this kind of school training up in the ways of Yahuwah. Uh, and so Abraham attended there. And we learn from a different portion later on in Jasher that Isaac went and, and studied there. And so did uh, Jacob as well. And Terah, his father, was in those days still captain of the host of the king of Nimrod, and he followed strange Elohim. And Abram came to his father's house and saw twelve gods standing in their temples. And the anger of Abram was kindled when he saw these images in his father's house. And Abram said, As Yahuwah liveth, these images shall not remain in my father's house. So shall Yahuwah who created me to do unto me, if in three days' time I do not break them all. And Abram went from them, and his anger burned within him. And Abram hastened and went from the chamber to his father's outer court, and he found his father sitting in the court, and all his servants with him. And Abram came and sat before him. <clears throat> and Abram asked his father, saying, Father, tell me, where is Elohim who created heaven and earth and all the sons of men upon earth? And who created you and me? And Terah answered his son Abram and said, Behold, those who created us are all within, all with us in the house. And Abram said to his father, My, my lord, show, show them to me, I pray. And Terah brought Abram into the chamber of the inner court. And Abram saw, and behold, the whole room was full of gods of wood and stone, twelve great images and others less than they without number. And Terah said to his son, Behold, these are they which made all you see upon the earth, and which created me and you and all mankind. And Terah bowed down to his gods, and he then went away from them, and Abram his son went away with him. And when Abram had gone from them, he went to his mother and sat before her. And he said to his mother, Behold, my father has shown me those who made heaven and earth and all the sons of men. Now therefore, hasten and fetch a kid from the flock and make it of savory meat, that I may bring it to my father's gods as an offering for them to eat. Perhaps I may thereby become acceptable to them. And his mother did so. And she fetched a kid and made savory meat thereof and brought it to Abram. And Abram took the savory meat from his mother and brought it before his father's gods. And he drew nigh to them that they might eat. And Terah his father did not know of it. And Abram saw on that day when he was sitting amongst them that they had no voice, no hearing, no motion, and not one of them could stretch forth his hand to eat. And Abram mocked them and said, Surely the savory meat that I prepared has not pleased them, or perhaps it was too little for them, and for that reason they would not eat. Therefore tomorrow I will prepare fresh savory meat, better and more plentiful than this, in order that I may see the result. And it was on the next day that Abram directed his mother concerning the savory meat, and his mother arose and fetched three fine kids from the flock, and she made of them some excellent savory meat, such as her son was fond of. And she gave it to her son, Abram, and Terah his father did not know of it. And Abram took the savory meat from his mother and brought it before his father's gods into the chamber. And he came nigh unto them that they might eat, and he placed it before them. And Abram sat before them all day thinking, perhaps they might eat. 
And Abraham and Abram viewed them, and behold, they had neither voice nor hearing, nor did one of them stretch forth his hand to the, to the meat to eat. And in the evening of that day in the house, Abram was clothed with the spirit of Elohim. And he called out and said, Woe unto my father in this wicked generation whose hearts are inclined to vanity, who serve these idols of wood and stone which neither can eat, smell, hear, nor speak, who have mouths without speech, eyes without sight, ears without hearing, hands without feeling, and legs which cannot move. Like them are those that made them and that trust in them. And when Abram saw all these things, his anger was kindled against his father. And he hastened and took a hatchet in his hand and came unto the chamber of the gods and he broke all his father's gods. And when he had done breaking these images, he placed the hatchet in the hand of the great God, which was there before them. And he went out and Terah, his father, came home, for he had heard at the door the sound of the striking of the hatchet. So Terah came into the house to know what this is all about. I just realized I wasn't uh, screen sharing. Sorry. And Terah, having heard the noise of the hatchet in the room of images, ran to the room to the images, and he met Abram going out. And Terah entered the room and found all the idols fallen down and broken, and the hatchet in the hand of the largest, which was not broken, and the savory meat which Abram his son had made was still before them. And when Terah saw his anger, I'm sorry, when Terah saw this, his anger was greatly kindled, and he hastened and went from the room to Abram. And he found Abram, his son, sitting, still sitting in the house, and he said to him, What is this work which you have done to my gods? And Abram answered Terah, his father, and said, Not so, my lord, for I have brought savory meat before them. And when I came nigh to them with the meat that they might eat, they all at once stretched forth their hands to eat before the great one had put forth his hand to eat. And the large one saw their works, that they did before him and his anger was violently kindled against them and he went and took all and he went and took the hatchet that was in the house and came to them and broke them all and behold the hatchet is yet in the hand as thou seest so abraham was saying that um the biggest god uh chopped down all the other gods because they tried to eat that food first and so obviously he's he's being silly and Terah's anger was kindled against his son Abram when he spoke this. And Terah said to Abram, his son, in anger, What is this tale that you have told? Thou speakest lies to me. Is there in these gods spirit, soul, or power to do all that you have told me? Are they not wood and stone? And have I not made my made made them myself? <clears throat> and canst you speak such lies, saying that the large god was with them, smote them? It is you that did place the hatchet in the hands, and then sayest he smote them all. And Abram answered his father and said to him, And how canst you then serve these idols in whom there is no power to do anything? Can these idols in which you true which do truest deliver you? We trust it which you trustest deliver you? Can they hear thy prayers when thou callest upon them? Can they deliver thee from the hands of thy enemies? Or will they fight thy battles for thee against thy enemies? That thou should serve wood and stone which neither can speak nor hear? And now surely it is not good for thee, nor for the sons of men that are connected with you to do these things. Are you so silly, so foolish, or so short of understanding that you will serve wood and stone and do after this manner? And forget Yahweh Elohinu who made heaven and earth, and who created you in the earth, in the earth and thereby 
bring a great evil upon your souls in this matter by serving stone and wood? Did not our fathers in days of old sin in this matter, and Yahweh Eloheinu of the universe brought the waters of the flood upon them and destroyed the whole earth? And how can you continue to do this and serve gods of wood and stone who cannot hear or speak or deliver you from oppression, thereby bring you down the anger of Elohim of the universe upon you? Now therefore, my father, refrain from this, and bring not evil upon thy soul and the souls of thy household. And Abram hastened and sprang forth from before his father, and took the hatchet from his father's largest idol, which, with which Abram broke it and ran away. And Terah, seeing all that Abram had done, hastened to go from his house. And he went to the king, and he came before Nimrod, and stood before him, and he bowed down to the king. And, and the king said, What do you want? <clears throat> And he said, I beseech you, my Lord, hear me. Now fifty years back a child was born to me, and thus has he done to my gods, and thus has he spoken. And now, therefore, my Lord and King, send for him that he may come before you and judge him according to the law, that we may be delivered from his evil. Uh, which, by the way, um, I don't remember, I think we read this last week, but long story short, the birth of Abraham was marked by uh, an astronomical alignment that all of Nimrod's advisors saw, and they said that, hey, this, this, this amazing uh, alignment can mean nothing other than Abraham, who was born today. He's going to destroy your kingdom and so on and so forth. So Nimrod commanded um, Terah to give Abraham to him so he can kill him and, and destroy the prophecy. And um, Terah ended up uh, switching Abraham and, and gave Nimrod one of his homeborn uh, servant, uh, servant's children and uh, Abraham lived, and so the thing with the matter was hidden from Nimrod. So now Terah is coming before him, and he's like basically telling him, like, "Sorry." And the th and the king sent three men of his servants, and they went and brought Abram before the king. And Nimrod and all his princes and servants were that day sitting before him, and Terah sat also before them. And the king said to Abram, "What is this that you have done to thy father and to his gods?" And Abram answered the king in the words that he spoke to his father and said, The large God was that was with them in the house did to them what you have heard. The king said to Abram, Had they, hang on, had they power to speak and eat and do as you have said? And Abram answered the king saying, And if there be no power in them, why dost thou serve them and cause the sons of men to err through thy follies? Dost thou imagine that they can deliver you or anything small or great that you should serve them? And why wilt thou not sense the Elohim of the whole universe who created you and in whose power it is to kill and keep alive? O fool, and this, remember this is Abraham talking to Nimrod. O foolish, simple, and ignorant king, woe unto you forever. I thought you would teach thy servants the upright way, but you have not done this, but hast filled the whole earth with thy sins and the sins of thy people who have followed your ways. Dost thou not know, or hast thou not heard, that this evil which thou doest, our ancestors, sinned therein in the days of old, and the great eternal Elohim brought the waters of the flood upon them and destroyed them all, and also destroyed the whole earth on account of on their account? And wilt thou and thy people rise up now and do like unto this work in order to bring down the anger of Yahweh Elohinu of the universe and to bring evil upon you and the whole earth? Now therefore put away this evil deed which thou doest and serve the Elohim of the universe as thy soul is in his hands and then it will be well with you. And if thy wicked heart will not hearken to my words to cause thee to forsake thy evil ways and to serve the eternal God, uh, Elohim, then wilt thou die in shame in the latter days, you and your people and all who are 
are connected with you, hearing thy words, or walking in thy evil ways. And when Abram had ceased speaking before the king and all the princes, Abram lifted up his eyes to the heavens, and he said, Yahuwah seeth all the wicked, and he will judge them. Chapter 12. And when the king heard the words of Abram, he ordered him to be put into prison. And Abram was in prison ten days. It was ten days in prison. At the end of those days, the king ordered that all the kings, princes, and governors of different provinces and the sages should come before him. And they sat before him. And Abram was still in the house of confinement. <clears throat> The king said to the princes and sages, Have you heard what Abram, the son of Terah, has done to his father? Thus has he done to him, and I ordered him to be, to be brought before me, and thus has he spoken. His heart did not misgive him, neither did he stir in my presence. And behold, now he is confined in the prison. And therefore decide what judgment is due to this man who reviled the king, who spoke and did all the things that you have heard. They all answered the king, saying, The man who revileth the king should be hanged upon a tree. But having done all the things that he that he said, and having despised our gods, he must therefore be burned to death, for this is the law in this manner. If it pleaseth the king to do this, let him order his servants to kindle a fire both night and day in thy brick furnace, and then we will cast this man into it. And the king did so, and he commanded his servants that they should prepare a fire for thee three days and three nights in the king's furnace, that is, in Kazdim. And the king ordered them to take Abram from prison and to bring him out to be burned. And all the king's servants, princes, lords, governors, and judges, and all the inhabitants of the land, about 900,000 men, stood opposite the furnace to see Abram. And all the women and little ones crowded upon the roofs and towers to see what was doing with Abram. And they all stood together at a distance, and there was not a man left that did not come on that day to behold the scene. And when Abram was come, the conjurers of the king and the sages saw Abram, and they cried out to the king, saying, Our sovereign Lord, surely this is the man whom we know to have been the child at whose birth the great star swallowed the four stars. This is what I was telling you about earlier. Which we declared to the king now fifty years since. And behold, now his father has also transgressed thy commands and mocked thee by bringing thee another child, which thou didst kill. And when the king heard their words, he was exceedingly wroth, and he ordered Terah to be brought before him. And the king said, Hast thou heard what the conjurers have spoken? Now tell me truly, how didst thou? And if thou shalt speak truth, thou shalt be acquitted. And seeing that the king's anger was so much kindled, Terah said to my king, My lord and king, thou hast heard the truth, and what the sages have said spoken is right. And the king said, How couldst thou do this thing to transgress my orders and to give me a child that thou didst not beget and take value for him? And Terah answered the king, Because my tender feelings were excited for my son at that time, and I took a son of my handmaid, and I brought him to the king. And the king said, Who advised you to do this? Tell me. Do not hide it aught from me, and then you shall not die. And Terah was greatly terrified in the king's presence, and he said to the king, It was Haran, my eldest son, who advised me to, th to this. And Haran was in those days that Abram was born, two and thirty years old, but Haran did not advise his father to do anything. To anything, For Terah said this to the king in order to deliver his soul from the king, for he feared greatly. And the king said to Terah, Haran thy son who advised thee to this shall die through the fire with Abram, for the sentence of death is upon him for having rebelled against the king's desire in doing this. And by the way, the, the canon backs up that Haran died in Ur of the Chaldees. Or we don't know that yet. I'm sorry. And Haran at that time felt inclined to follow the ways of Abram, but he kept it within himself. And Haran said in his heart, Behold, now the king has seized Abram on account of these things which Abram did, 
And it shall come to pass that if Abram prevail over the king, I will follow him. But if the king prevail, I will follow and go after the king. So his heart was double-minded, double, double, uh, yeah, double-minded. And when Terah had spoken this to the king concerning Haran, his son, the king ordered Haran to be seized with Abram. And they brought them both, Abram and Haran, his brother, to cast them into the fire. And all the inhabitants of the land and the king's servants and princes and all the women and little ones were there standing that day over them. And the king's servants took Abram and his brother, and they stripped them of all their clothes excepting their lower garments which were upon them. And they bound their hands and feet with linen cords. And the servants of the king lifted them up and cast them both into the furnace. And Yahuwah loved Abram, and he had compassion over him. And Yahuwah came down and delivered Abram from the fire, and he was not burned. But all the cords with which they bound him were burned, while Abram remained and walked about in the fire. So the the story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this happened to Abraham first. Just like Nebuchadnezzar, right when they were tossed into the fire because they didn't bow down to the statue. Well, Abram was tossed into the fire because he broke down the images, right? And Haran died when they had cast him into the fire and he was burned to ashes for his heart was not perfect with Yahuwah. And those men who cast him into the fire, the flames of the fire spread over them and they were burned and 12 men of them died. And Abram walked in the midst of the fire three days and three nights, and all the servants of the king saw him walking in the fire. And they came and told the king, saying, Behold, we have seen Abram walking about in the midst of the fire, and even the lower garments which are upon him are not burned, but the cord with which he was bound is burned. And when the king heard their words, his heart fainted, and he would not believe them. So he sent other faithful princes to see this matter. And they went and saw it and told the king. And the king rose to go and see it. And he saw Abram walking to and fro in the midst of the fire. And he saw Haran's body burned. And the king wondered greatly. And the king ordered Abram to be taken out of the fire. And his servants approached to take him out, and they could not. For the fire was round about, and the flame ascending toward them from the furnace. And the king's servants fled from it, and the king rebuked them, saying, Make haste and bring Abram out of the fire, that you shall not die. And the servants of the king again approached to bring Abram out, and the flames came upon them and burned their faces, so that eight of them died. And when the king saw that his servants could not approach the fire, lest they should be burned, the king called to Abram, O servant of Elohim who is in heaven, go forth from the midst of the fire and come hither before me. And Abram hearkened to the voice of the king, and he went forth from the fire and came and stood before the king. Wow. And when Abram came out, the king and all his servants saw Abram coming before the king with his lower garments upon him, for they were not burned, but the cord with which he was bound was burned. And the king said to Abram, How is it that thou was not burned in the fire? And Abram said to the king, The Elohim of heaven and earth, in whom I in whom I trust, and who has all that in his power, he delivered me from the fire into which thou didst cast me. And Haran, the brother of Abram, was burned to ashes, and they sought for his body, and they found it consumed. And Haran was eighty-two years old when he died in the fire of Kazdim. And the king, princes, inhabitants of the land, seeing that Abram was delivered from the fire, they came and bowed down to Abram. And Abram said to them, Do not bow down to me, but bow down to the Elohim of the world who made you, and serve him, and go in his ways. For it is he who delivered me from out of this fire, and it is he who created the souls and the spirit of all men, and formed man in his mother's womb, and brought him forth into the world, and it is he who will deliver those who trust in him from all pain. Hallelujah. Wow. 
And this thing seemed wonderful in the eyes of the king and princes that Abram was saved from the fire and that Haran was burned. And the king gave Abram many presents and he gave him his two head servants from the king's house. The name of the one was Onai and the name of the other was Eliezer. And that became the head of Abram's house, right? And all the kings and princes and servants gave Abram many gifts of silver and gold and pearl. And the king and his princes sent him away and he went in peace. And Abram went forth from the king in peace, and many of the king's servants followed him. About three hundred men joined him. And Abram returned on that day and went to his father's house, he and the men that followed him. And Abram served Yahuwah, his Elohim, all the days of his life. And he walked in his ways and followed his Torah, his law. And from that day forward, Abram inclined the hearts of the sons of men to serve Yahuwah. In that time, Nahor and Abram took unto themselves wives, the daughters of their brother, Haran, the wife of Nahor was Milcah, and the name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and Sarai, wife of Abram, was barren, and she had no offspring in those days. So that is just, honestly, it's it's one of the best, it's just one of the most amazing stories in Scripture, and, you know, why it was cut out of the Masoretic and Septuagint, uh, no idea, but it's, uh, it is in the, the Targums, which is really, really interesting. But, uh, you know, uh, last week we were talking about how I had always wondered how Abraham was able to marry his sister and it not be against Torah because we saw we've seen that the Torah was certainly alive well before Mount Sinai. And thanks to Jasher and the Targums, we find out that Sarah was actually his niece. And uh, I had one more one more uh, one more scenario that kind of bothered me, which was um, according to the Masoretic um, Amram, the son of the son of Levi. Uh, or no, son of Kohath, son of Levi, married Jochebed, which the way it makes it, makes it sound in the Masoretic is that he married his aunt, which is also against the Torah. But uh, we actually learn from the uh, the the Targums that it was, she was actually his cousin, because we get tripped up by when it says, um, you know, her father was so and so. Well, that could be grandfather, and we just we don't know it. So. Anyways, really, really interesting stuff. So let's now get to, um, and actually, let me, uh, I want to show you the, the Targums here. Uh, second to last paragraph. Uh, I want to read this for you. This is the Targums. And this is uh, Genesis 11 in the Targums. These are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran begat Lot. And it was when Nimrod had cast Abram into the furnace of fire because he would not worship his idol, and the fire had no power to burn him, that Haran's heart became doubtful, saying, If Nimrod overcome, I will be on his side. But if Abram overcome, I will be on his side. And when all the people who were there saw that the fire had no power over Abram, they said in their, they said in their hearts, Is not Haran the brother of Abram full of divinations and charms? And has he not uttered spells over the fire that it should not burn his brother? Immediately... There fell a fire from the high heavens and consumed him, and Haran died in the sight of Terah, his father, where he was burned in the land of his nativity in the furnace of the fire, which the Kazdi had made for Abram, his brother. So a little different uh, retelling of it, but essentially the same story. You've got uh, Abraham being cast in the fire, and his, uh, he, him not being touched, and his brother Haran dying. Okay, so let's now go to chapter 12, and we will do again the reading from the the word audio which um all right here we go better sheet genesis chapter 12. now yahuwah had said unto el avram get you out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house unto a land that i will show you 
and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you and curse him that curses you. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Avram departed as Yahuwah had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Avram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Avram took Sarai his woman, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Avram passed through the land unto the place of Shechem, unto the high oak in the plain of Moreh. And the Kenani was then in the land. And Yahuwah appeared unto El Avram and said, Unto your seed will I give this land. And there built he an altar unto Yahuwah, who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Beit El, and pitched his tent, having Beit El on the west, and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar unto Yahuwah, and called upon the name of Yahuwah. And Avram journeyed, going on still towards the Negev. And there was a famine in the land, and Avram went down into Mitzrayim to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass, when he had come near to enter into Mitzrayim, that he said unto El Sarai his woman, Behold now, I know that you are a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Mitzrayim shall see you, that they shall say, This is his woman and they will kill me, but they will save you alive. Say, I pray you, you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and my soul shall live because of you. And it came to pass that when Avram was come into Mitzrayim, the Mitzrayim beheld the woman that she was very fair. The princess also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he entreated Avram well for her sake. And he had sheep and oxen and he asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. And Yahuwah plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Avram's woman. And Pharaoh called Avram and said, What is this that you have done unto me? Why did you not tell me she was your woman? Why said you, She is my sister? so I might have taken her to me to be my woman. Now therefore, behold, your woman, take her and go your way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away and his woman and all that he had. Okay, so chapter 12. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's always a question that I have is, would we be willing to leave everything we have at the drop of a, you know, the drop of a, a dime or whatever that saying is, would you be willing to leave everything you have in an instant if Elohim was like, go, right? And uh, actually, a lot of you are uh, kind of doing that. Uh, a lot of you have been kind of heeding the call to leave the coasts, leave the big cities, and uh, you know, find uh, something something a little deeper in the heartland of of this country, seeing what uh, what's coming on this country. Uh, but, you know, more so, you know, I always wonder what it's what it's going to be like that day when he comes and gathers us. Um, I've been recently thinking that it might be something like uh, when the two angels came to Sodom and Gomorrah and they're like, let's go. You know, we, we need to go now. 
You've got uh, just a minute. Grab what you can and let's go. Don't turn back. Remember Lot's wife, like Yahushua says in Luke, the book of Luke. So, you know, with everything that's going on, and because I really do believe that those that believe in Messiah keep it and keep his commandments are will be the the wise virgin, the ready bride. And um, I really believe that he takes those people out of harm's way. It's going to be a very small people. I mean, it's going to be a drop in, you know, a drop in the bucket compared to the, what, two, two billion professing Christians uh, on this earth. Um, it, it's going to be just a drop in the bucket. Um, but I do believe that that is available for, for people that uh, hearken or hear his voice in these last days. So if that's the case, you know, is, how is it going to happen? You know, is he going to be like, let's go, you know, or I don't know. I don't know. But all I know is that we, we need to think about this and be willing to um, just leave everything with when Yahweh says so. So and I know most of you wouldn't you wouldn't be like, oh, no, I'm you know, I'm not going to go with I'm just going to stay here. And hate. Now, I know none of you would do that. But, you know, it's just it's. I guess comforting to think that that day might might happen in our lifetime but anyways uh one uh one interesting little tidbit about this so this uh you know we kind of just read through this and just move on but uh you know here's egypt and here is you know his people kind of being oppressed because his wife gets taken from him and uh here you got egypt with bunch of plagues there's a passage in jasher chapter 67 where it's actually Balaam of all people who is a counselor to Pharaoh. Uh, he actually, like, this is hundreds of years later, uh, retells this story. Uh, actually, excuse me, it's not, uh, uh, it's uh, Jethro actually retells the story. This is Jasher chapter 67, we'll start at verse 16. And this is a, a dream that Pharaoh had, and he was just like, you know, freaking out about it. And Pharaoh rose up early in the morning, and he called all his servants and related to them the dream, and the men were greatly afraid. Excuse me. And the king said to all his wise men, I interpret, I pray you, the dream which I had dreamed that I may know it. And Balaam, the son of Beor, answered the king and said to him, This means nothing else but a great evil that will spring up against Egypt in the last days. For a son will be born to Israel who will destroy all Egypt and its inhabitants and will bring forth the Israelites from Egypt with a mighty hand. Now, therefore, O king, take counsel upon this matter that you may destroy the hope of the children of Israel and their expectation before this evil arise against Egypt. <clears throat> and the king said unto Balaam, And what shall we do thus unto Israel? Surely after a certain manner we did at first counsel against them and could not prevail over them. Now, therefore, give you also advice against them by which we may prevail over them. And which, by the way, Balaam is the one that you know gave Pharaoh the evil counsel to enslave the the um, the Israelites. And Balaam answered the king, saying, "Send now and call thy two counselors, and we will see what their advice is upon this matter. And afterward, they will speak." And the king sent and called his two counselors, Reuel the Midianite and Job the Uzite. Yes, this is Job, Job. And they came and sat before the king. And the king said to them, Behold, you have both heard the dream which I have dreamed and the interpretation thereof. Now therefore give counsel and know and see what is to be done to the children of Israel, whereby we may prevail over them before their evil shall spring up against us. And Reuel the Midianite answered the king and said, which this is Jethro, 
May the king live, may the king live forever. If it seem good to the king, let him desist from the Hebrews and leave them, and let him not stretch forth his hand against them. For these are they whom Yahuwah chose in days of old, and took as the lot of his inheritance from amongst all the nations of the earth, and the kings of the earth, and who is there that stretcheth his hand against them with impunity, of whom their Elohim was not avenged. Surely thou knowest that when Abraham went down to Egypt, Pharaoh, the former king of Egypt, saw Sarah, Sarah, his wife, and took her for a wife, because Abraham said, She is my sister. For he was afraid, lest the men of Egypt should slay him on account of his wife. And when the king of Egypt had taken Sarah, then Elohim smote him and his household with heavy plagues, until he restored unto Abraham his wife, Sarah, and then, she, then he was healed. And so anyways, it, and he also retells the same thing that happens to Abimelech. So uh, this story is so major that it's told, uh, this is what, probably hundreds, of, maybe 100, 150 years later. Um, so this is a major, major event. So just something to uh, take into consideration. All right, so let's move on to chapter 13. Give me a second. And here we go. Bereshit. Genesis chapter 13. And Avram went up out of Mitzrayim, he and his woman and all that he had, and Lot with him into the Negev. And Avram was very rich in cattle, in silver and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the Negev even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first, and there Avram called on the name of Yahuwah. And Lot also, which went with Avram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdsmen of Avram's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzi dwelled then in the land. And Avram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray you, between me and you, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself, I pray you, from me. If you will take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the circle of the Yardan, that it was well watered everywhere, before Yahuwah destroyed Sodom and Amorah, even as the garden of Yahuwah, like the land of Mitzrayim, as you come unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the circle of the Yardan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Avram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the circle of the Yardan, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before Yahuwah exceedingly. And Yahuwah said unto El Avram, after that Lot was separated from him, Lift up your eyes, and look from the place where you are, northward, and southward, and eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, to you will I give it, and to your seed forever. And I will make your seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall your seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto you. 
Then Avram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto Yahuwah. Okay, a uh, short little chapter, uh, but interesting nonetheless. I will say it's, um, you know, there's so many parallels in the Torah as to like things that repeat in types and shadows and patterns. And when it says right here, and Avram went up out of Mitzrayim, he and his woman and all he had and lot with him into the Negev. Well, really the, the, the word that's used there, uh, wilderness, and actually in the Septuagint, it actually reads wilderness. Um it says into the wilderness, and you know, it just makes me think of what's to come with the with the Israelites with with Moses, um, kind of like our spiritual wilderness journey now. A Messiah Yahusha in the wilderness being tempted, um, just so many different uh, parallels there. Um, and then verse two, it says, Navram was very rich in cattle and silver and gold." Uh, again, here's another parallel, just just like the the uh, Israelites left Egypt into the wilderness, very rich. Um, so. That's what happened to Abraham as well. So Exodus 12, 35 through 38. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moshe, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And Yahweh gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Sukkot, about 600,000 on foot that were men besides children. And a mixed multitude went up also with them and flocks and herds, even very much cattle. So they left rich. <clears throat> and so it happened with Abraham. It happened with Moses and the people coming out. And uh, quite frankly, it happened uh, to the children leaving Babylon. Well, at least all the treasures that were stored from the temple were kind of returned to them. Uh, and, I, and there's tons of prophetic. I didn't pull them all up for today because it'd be such a, a big... Um, rabbit uh, rabbit trail but uh the same promise is for the the final regathering where he gathers all of his people uh to new jerusalem well the kings of the earth are going to bring all their riches um and uh, uh yeah they're just going to bring all their riches to to new jerusalem and um give it unto yahoo and his people so it's just it's just amazing stuff how uh things kind of just repeat in patterns like that uh, i want to read a little snippet from uh verse nine in the Targum, so verse 9, um, it says, And contentions arose between the shepherd of Abram's flock and the shepherds of the flock of Lot, for the shepherds of Abram had been instructed by him not to go among the Canaanites and the Perizzites, who as yet had power in the land, and to restrain the cattle that they should make no depredation. So basically, um, there was like some borders that they were supposed to keep to, and apparently Lot's uh, Lot's cattle, uh, his herdsmen would let him kind of go into the land of the Canaanites that uh, was not sectioned off for them. And so, you know, Abraham's like, I, you know, I don't want to steal. You know, I don't want that, that to happen because they were running out of room, you know. And so the, the I guess, you know, maybe they weren't doing it like to be, you know, um, to be thieves. But nevertheless, uh, they needed the extra space. And so that's when they're like, you know, let's, let's just separate. Uh, it also says here that uh, that. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah was well watered everywhere before Yahuwah destroyed it, even as the garden of Yahuwah, like the land of Mitzrayim. And I uh, just wanted to share a couple of things here. Uh, Ezekiel um, it, showing that uh, Sodom, you know, one of their sins was that they had plenty, they had overabundance, and because of that, their hearts were lifted up. Ezekiel 16, uh, 49-50, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride, fullness of bread that's an overabundance 
an abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did they, she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy, and they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. Um, also, verse 13, But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners exceedingly before Yahuwah. Here's just a small snippet. We'll be reading more of this next portion when it actually deals with Sodom and Gomorrah. But here's just a small snippet. Chapter 18, verses, this is, I'm sorry, Book of Jasher. Chapter 18, verses 11 through 15. In those days, all the people of Sodom and Gomorrah and the whole five cities were exceedingly wicked and sinful against Yahuwah. And they provoked Yahuwah with their abominations. They strengthened in aging abominably and scornfully before Yahuwah and their wickedness and crimes were in those days great before Yahuwah and they had in their land a very extensive valley about a half a day's walk and in there were fountains of water and a great deal of herbage surrounding the water and all the people of Sodom and Gomorrah went three uh, went there four times in the year with their wives and children and, and children and all belonging to them and they rejoiced there with the timbrels and dances <clears throat> and in the time of rejoicing they would all rise and lay hold of their neighbors' wives, and some the virgin daughters of their neighbors, and they enjoyed them. And each man saw his wife and his daughter in the hands of his neighbor, and they did not say a word. And they did so from morning to night, and they afterward returned home, each man to his house, and each woman to her tent. So they always did four times in the year. And, uh, man, I can just only imagine their thought processes of, like, why they would do that. I bet they'd be like, oh, yeah, it's for the good of the community, so, you know, we, we just... I mean, it's like what chaos, like if everybody's sleeping with each other, like you don't know whose child is really whose, but I bet they're like, see, we're all, we're all one. And I bet, I bet those are the kind of doctrines they'd have, you know, I can just only imagine they'd be like, oh, we just need to come together and we just need to be all one big family. And so we need to share each other and, you know, don't withhold a thing from each other. And this is, this is real community, right? And, uh, uh, man, well, how disgusting. I mean, can you imagine those of you that are, are, are parents, you know, uh, seeing your daughter, you know, with your like what 13, 14 year old virgin daughter, just you know, have your neighbor having her his way with. I mean, that is just like beyond me. It's just disgusting. And this is just a small snippet of some of the stuff they did. Uh, another snippet from the Targums that says, And the men of Sodom were depraved in their wealth. Uh, one with another, and they sinned in their bodies, and they sinned with open nakedness, and the shedding of innocent blood, and practiced strange worship, and they rebelled greatly against the name of Yahuwah. Uh, and then uh, I also want to read uh, Jasher, a little snippet in Jasher 13, uh, verses 1 through 4. And Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, and the son of Haran, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, the wife of his son Abram, <clears throat> and all the souls of his household and went f went with them from Ur-Kazdim to go into the land of Canaan. And when they came as far as the land of Haran, they remained there, for it was exceedingly good land for pasture and of sufficient extent for those who accompanied them. The people of the land Haran saw that Abram was good and upright with Elohim and men, and that Yahuwah his Elohim was with him. And some of the people of the land of Haran came and joined Abram. And he taught them the instruction of Yahuwah and his ways. And these men remained with Abram in his house, and they adhered to him. And Abram remained in the land three years, and at the expiration of three years, Yahuwah appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Yahuwah who brought you forth from Ur the Kazdim and delivered thee from the hands of all thine enemies. So, like, what enemies are these? Of course, this is Nimrod and, and all of his schemes. And now, therefore, if thou wilt hearken to my voice and keep my commandments, my statutes, and my Torah, 
Then I will cause thine enemies to fall before you, and I will multiply your seed like the stars of heaven, and I will send my blessing upon all the works of thy hands, and thou shalt lack nothing. And that promise is still alive for his seed, even unto this day. And then uh, 13, 15, it says, For all the land which you see, <clears throat> to you will I give it into your seed forever. And this is one of the biggest reasons why um, well, this and chapter 15, which we'll see in a bit, this is the land of inheritance to where it says that his seed will remain forever. That's why I truly believe that that is where New Jerusalem will rest upon, which is basically what we call the Levant area, um, which I'll show you a picture here in, in a sec. But let's get to uh, chapter 14. And this is probably <laughs> this is probably one of my favorite um, background songs for the reading. Bereshit, Genesis, chapter 14. And it came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Ariok, king of Elekar, Kedor Laomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, that these made war with Berath, king of Sodom, and with Birsha, king of Amora, Shinav, king of Adma, and Shem Eber, king of Tseboim, and the king of Bela, which is Zoar. All these were joined together in the valley of Sidim, which is the Salt Sea. Twelve years they served Kedor Laomer, and in the thirteenth year they rebelled. And in the fourteenth year came Kedor Laomer, and the kings that were with him, and smote the Rephaim in Ashteroth Karnaim, and the Zuzim in Chem, and the Emim in Shave Kiryathaim, and the Horim in their Mount Seir, unto El Paran, which is by the wilderness. And they that remained fled to the mountain. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Amorah, and all their victuals, and went their way. And they took Lot, Avram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and all his goods, and departed. And there came one that had escaped, and told Avram the Ivri. For he dwelt in the plain of Mamre the Emori, brother of Eshkol, and brother of Aner, and these were confederate with Avram. And when Avram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, three hundred and eighteen, and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night, and smote them and pursue them unto Chova, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother Lot, and his goods, and the women also, and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Kedor Laomer, and the kings that were with him at the valley of Shaveh, which is the king's valley. And Malkit Zedek, king of Shalem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of El Elyon. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Avram of El Elyon, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be El Elyon, which has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him tithes of all. And the king of Sodom said unto El Avram, Give me the persons and take the goods to yourself. And Avram said to the king of Sodom, I have lift up my hand unto El Yahuwah, El Elyon, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, that I will not take anything that is yours, 
lest you should say, I have made Avram rich, save only that which the young men have eaten, and the portion of the men which went with me, Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre, let them take their portion. Okay, so this is the other great part about doing, uh, playing these uh, recordings is we get to see any errors. And so I also commission any of you out there that hear uh, the, these recordings and follow along. Uh, if we make any mistakes, let us know. This is going to be a great opportunity to clean up some things. So somehow a big chunk got cut out, uh, and I'm not sure why, but this is a good opportunity to fix it. So uh, real quick, it missed... Um, and missed this. And then when they returned, they came to Ein Mishpat, which is Kadesh, and smote all the country of the Amalekim, and also the Amorim that dwelt in Chatzon Tamar. And there went out king of Sodom, and the king of Amorah, and the king of Adma, and the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, the same as Zoar. And they joined battle with them in the valley of Sidim, with Kedorleomer, king of Elam, and with Tidal, king of nations, and Amraphel, king of Shinar, which we saw is Nimrod, and Ariok, king of Elakar, four kings with five. And the valley of Sedim was full of slime pits, and the kings of Sodom and Amorah fled and fell there, and they that remained fled to the mountain. So somehow that all got cut out. So I apologize, but again, this is a good way for us to uh, kind of see what we uh, what we need to add it and fix. Um, this is all just rough, rough stuff. But uh, you know, it is interesting that this is like a um, this is like just a major battle. You got four kingdoms versus versus five kingdoms and uh, Keter Leomer and his kings, they're going around and killing all the, uh, the giants and uh, uh, people that rebel. It's just, I mean, this is like the, you know, this is some of the stuff that we've seen in Hollywood, like these major battles. You I can imagine this is where they get some of this material from and the, the thought processes of, of these major battles that happened throughout the ages. So just absolutely amazing. Um, so, verse 16 and he brought back all the goods and, and also brought against him his brother Lot and his goods and his with him you know it's amazing I think one of the texts say that the Abraham and his 318 men they went up against like 800,000 people and destroyed all their armies like how does that happen other than the power of Yahuwah uh, in doing a miracle you know how does David beat Goliath how did Levi and Shechem go into a town and kill maybe upwards of 10,000 people just them two and two swords uh, well, of course Yahweh was with them so uh, just absolutely just you know it's absolutely amazing to imagine that we serve this very same creator that uh, gives power unto men um, verse 18 it says and Malkitzedek king of Salem brought forth bread and wine and he was the priest of El Elyon uh, well it uh, so happens that uh, uh, this Melchizedek is actually named and it is Shem which it's actually um, confirmed by the Targums and I'll show you <clears throat> we're going to read Joshua 16 1 through 12 and that time Kedor Leomer king of Elam sent out all the neighboring kings to Nimrod king of Shinar so it, says, that's, it tells you right there that's who uh, Amraphel is who is then under his power, and to Didal, king of the Goyim, or nations, and to Ariok, king of Elisar, with whom he made a covenant, saying, Come up to me and assist me, that we may smite all the towns of Sodom and its inhabitants, for they have rebelled against me these thirteen years. And these four kings went up with all their camps, about eight hundred thousand men, as they were there, and smote every man they found in the road. And the five kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, and Shemeber, 
king of Zeboim, and Bera, king of Sodom, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, and Bela, king of Zoar, went out to meet them, and they all joined together in the valley of Sidim. And these nine kings made war in the valley of Sidim, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah were smitten before the kings of Elam. And the valley of Sidim was full of lime pits, and the kings of Elam pursued the kings of Sodom. And the kings of Sodom with their camps fled and fell into the lime pits, and all that remained went to the mountain for safety. And the five kings of Elam came after them and pursued them to the gates of Sodom. And they took all that were that were, was in Sodom, all that were there in Sodom. And they plundered all the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, and they also took Lot, Abram's brother, and his property, and they seized all the goods of the cities of Sodom. And they went away. And Eunuch, Abram's servant, who was in the battle, saw this and told Abram all that the kings had done to the cities of Sodom, and that Lot was taken captive by them. And Abram heard this, and he rose up with about 318 men that were with him. And he that night pursued the three, these, these kings and smote them, and they all fell before Abram and his men. And there was none remaining but the four kings who fled, and they went each his own road. And Abram, that's, that's 800,000 men. And Abram recovered all the property of Sodom, and he also recovered Lot and all his property, his wives and little ones, and all belonging to him, so that Lot lacked nothing. And when he returned from smiting these kings, he and his men passed in the valley of Sidim, where the kings had made war together. And Bera, king of Sodom, and the rest of his men that were with him, went out from the lime pits into which they had fallen to meet Abram and his men. And Adonizedek, or Melchizedek, Adonai's lord, or you can even just, it's the same person, this is Melchizedek. And Adonizedek, Melchizedek, king of Jerusalem, the same was Shem, went out with his men to meet Abram and his people with bread and wine, and they remained together in the valley of Melech. And Adonizedek blessed Abram, and Abram gave him a tenth from all that he had brought from the spoil of his enemies, for Adonizedek was a priest before Elohim. Uh, and just to show you that Shem was kind of still around also, uh, book of Joshua chapter 9, verses 5 through 6. Uh, this is what I was telling you about earlier. When Abram came out from the cave, he went to Noah and his son Shem, and he remained with them to learn the instruction of Yahuwah and his ways. And no man knew where Abram was, and Abram served Noah and Shem, his son, for a long time. And Abram was in Noah's house 39 years, and Abram knew Yahuwah from three years old, and he went in the ways of Yahuwah until the day of his death as Noah and his son Shem had taught him. And all the sons of the earth in those days greatly transgressed against Yahuwah, and they rebelled against him, and they served other gods, and they forgot the Yahuwah who had created them in the earth. And the inhabitants of the earth made unto themselves at that time every man his god, gods of wood and stone, which could neither speak, hear, nor deliver. And the sons of men served them as they became their gods. Um, all right, so a couple of things I want to talk about in 14. So here's a little passage in the Targums, chapter 14. And it was in the days of Amraphel, he is Nimrod, who commanded Abram to be cast into the furnace. He was then king of Pontus, Ariok, so-called because he was Arik, tall among the giants, king of Tassalar, and Malki Zedek, who was Shem, Bar Noah, so Shem, son of Noah, the king of Yerushalayim, came forth to meet Abram. And brought forth to him bread and wine, and in that time he ministered before Elohai. Elohai, yeah. So, one last passage: Jubilee seventeen, uh, chapter or yes, chapter seventeen, verse fifteen through eighteen. We'll read this real quickly. Um, 
And the prince Mastema came, which is Satan, came before Elohim. Behold, Avraham loves Yitzchak, his son, and he delights in him above all things else. Bid him to offer him as a burnt offering on the altar, and you will see if he will do as this command, and you will know if he is faithful in everything wherein you do try him. Right? This is the key word, trying him, to test Abraham. And Yahuwah knew that Avraham was faithful in all his afflictions, for he had tried him through his country. Right? Leave your country. And the famine, going down into Egypt. And he tried him in the wealth of the kings. And that's what we saw at the end of chapter 14, where Abraham's like, uh, I'm not going to take even a shoe latchet from you, uh, lest you should say I have made Avraham rich. So it was a testing to see if Avraham would take the riches. And he had tried him again through his woman when she was torn from him and with circumcision and tried him through Ishmael and Hagar, his maidservant, when he sent them away. So it was 10 tests that Abraham passed all 10. So praise be to you for that. So let's go to chapter 15. Bereshit, Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of Yahweh came unto El Avram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Avram, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. And Avram said, Adonai Yahuwah, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Avram said, Behold, to me have you given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of Yahuwah came unto him, saying, This shall not be your heir, but he that shall come forth out of your own generation shall be your heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards the heavens, and count the stars, if you be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall your seed be. And he believed in Yahuwah, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am Yahuwah, that brought you out of Ur of the Kazdim, to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Adonai Yahuwah, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, Take me a heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against another. But the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Avram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Avram, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Avram, Know of a surety that your seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward they shall come out with great substance. And you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again. For the iniquity of the Emorim is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. And the same day, Yahuwah cut a covenant with Avram, saying, Unto your seed have I given this land, from the river of Mitzrayim unto the great river, 
the river Perath, the Kenaim, the Kenizim, the Kadmonim, and the Chitim, and the Perizim, and the Rephaim, and the Emorim, and the Kenanim, and the Girgashim, and the Yevusim. Mm, man, what a good chapter. <clears throat> I want to share this with you. Some of you may be familiar with this. Um, but, you know, when, when Yahweh says, look up to the stars and, and see if you can number them, so shall your seed be. Uh, there's quite a bit more to that than, than meets the eye. And there's a, a video I would love for you to test. It's called Enoch 43, Identity of the Stars in Heaven Revealed. And we actually start off with excuse me, this verse in uh, Genesis 15. And uh, you, your, excuse me, your current thoughts on what the stars are uh, may be challenged, but it may also be quite the blessing to kind of take a look at. So it's called, uh, again, Enoch 43, Identity of the Stars. You can just type in probably like Enoch 43, um, Parable of the Vineyard, or Enoch 43, Identity of the Stars, or something like that. So anyways, check that out when you have some time. Uh, it may bless you. Be careful. It may bless you. Verse 6, it says, And he believed in Yahuwah, and it, count, it was counted to him for righteousness. And uh, praise Yah for that. Um, <laughs> it, and, you know, unfortunately, I think modern-day Christianity has um, taken that and ran with it, in, in unfortunately, in the wrong way, because they also forget Genesis 26.5, which says, Because that Abraham obeyed my voice, which is clear enough to obey his voice means to keep his commandments very clear in Exodus 19. That's what it means. And kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So faith and obedience is what Abraham had. And if we want to be the seed of Abraham, as Yahushua says, uh, you know, he says, as he said to the, um, um, the Pharisees, you know, if you were Abraham's seed, you would do the deeds of Abraham. And, uh, this is what Abraham did. So praise Yah for that. Uh, verse 8 it says uh, or actually not verse 8 he let's see where is it it's not verse 8 where is it well maybe not but we are we were speaking earlier about uh, the the land of inheritance the promised land this is what's called the Levant essentially it's maybe even not here but this is the borders that were um that Abraham was was given, and this is what I believe is roughly where New Jerusalem is going to sit, and it's right about the same. It's it's very close in size, uh, for that to work. So, pretty interesting. Uh, and let's see, let's read a little portion of the Targums. This is chapter fifteen. Uh, is that right? Let's see. Let's scroll down. Sorry. Fifteen. So at the beginning, at the beginning of chapter 15, it's a little confusing. It says, after these things, the word, which by the way, it says the word of Yahweh came unto El Avram. So this is one of the very few times that in this to the Torah, it says the word of Yahweh came to El Avram. And those of us uh, that have, any of us that have read the book of John, we know that the word is Yahusha, his son. And so what you'll find is that Yahusha is all over the Old Testament. Um, I'm here to say that when Messiah said that no man has seen the Father, uh, I believe that to be true. And what I mean by that is uh, everything 
all glory, everything is due to the Father, but he's done through done so through his son. His son has always been the mediator on earth. I believe it was his son that was on Mount Sinai, uh, his son that was in walking in the garden in the cool of the day saying, Adam, where are you? Uh, he formed Adam out of the dust. Um, you know, all these interactions you're seeing here with Abraham, all was Messiah. And uh, that's just kind of where I've been led. And what's been really surprising about the Targums is the Targums, every, almost everything says the word. The covenant is through the word. The, the covenant of circumcision is through his word. I mean, it's just, it's so clear. And why that was cut out of the Septuagint, the Masoretic, I have no idea. Uh, maybe to hide the truth that it was the word from the beginning that was with man and that the covenant was made through the Father, but through him, to the Father, but through him. So, but it says here, the word of Yahweh came unto El Avram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Avram, I am your shield and your exceeding reward. So, why would he say fear? Because we haven't seen any fear from Avraham, except for <clears throat> maybe when he went into um, um, uh, Egypt, and he's like, you know, I, I, I don't want to die, so just say that I'm your, you know, I'm your brother. Um, but outside of that, we don't really see any fear from him. So the, uh, the Targums actually kind of give us an idea of what he was, what was going through his mind before uh, Messiah said, you know, fear not. After these words, this is chapter 15, after these words, when the king had gathered to, kings had gathered together and had fallen before Abram, and four kings had been slain, and the nine hosts brought back, Abram reasoned in his heart and said, Woe to me, because I have received the reward of my appointments in this world, and have no portion in the world to come. Or peradventure the brethren and friends of those who have been slain will combine in legions and come against me. Or at that time there was found with me the reward of a little righteousness, so that they fell before me. Me. But the second time, the second time reward may not be found with me, and by me the name of the heavens may be profaned. Thereupon was the word of Yahuwah with Abram in a vision, saying, "Fear not, for if these men should gather together in legions and come against you, my word will be your shield. And also, if these fall before you in the world, the reward of thy good works shall be kept and be prepared before me in the world to come." great exceedingly. So that really explains, honestly, what he's talking about. Don't fear. I'm your shield and your exceeding great reward. So I got to tell you, these Targums are, quite frankly, a, a treasure hunt. And I said that about the Septuagint. Uh, I really believe that even more so with the Targums. And I'm really excited to go over these with you all. Um, so anyways, let's, uh, let's get into chapter 16. <clears throat> Excuse me. Bereshit, Genesis. Chapter 16. Now Sarai Avram's woman bore him no children, and she had a handmaid, a Mitri, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto El Avram, Behold now, Yahuwah has restrained me from bearing. I pray you, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Avram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai Avram's woman took Hagar her maid the Mitzri, after Avraham had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her man Avram to be his woman. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarai said unto El Avram, My wrong be upon you. I have given my maid into your bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. Yahuwah judged between me and you. But Avram said unto El Sarai, Behold, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as it pleases you. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. 
And the angel of Yahuwah found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, whence came you, and whither will you go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarai. And the angel of Yahuwah said unto her, Return to your mistress, and submit yourself under her hands. And the angel of Yahuwah said unto her, I will multiply your seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of Yahuwah said unto her, Behold, you are with child, and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, because Yahuwah has heard your affliction. And he will be a wild man, his hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And she called the name of Yahuwah that had spoken unto her, You, El, see me. For she said, Have I also looked here after him that sees me? Wherefore the well was called Be'er Lachairoi. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore Avram a son, and Avram called his son's name, which Hagar bore, Ishmael. And Avram was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bore Ishmael, Okay, so a couple things here. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I kept hi uh, highlighting the angel of Yahuwah, the angel of Yahuwah, and I don't have uh, I don't have the verses up here, so I'm not going to waste your time searching for them. But it's funny. I was actually uh, <clears throat> had a few minutes, uh, had a little bit of spare time last night, and uh, I saw that uh, Rob Skiba and Zen Garcia were were doing a Genesis uh, a Genesis reading. And uh, I click on it, and sure enough, they're reading this Torah portion, and uh, there and Zen was reading the uh, the Targums, and it was very clear that uh, Hagar had associated the angel of Yahuwah with the word of Yahuwah. So um, that's confirmed uh, an understanding that uh, I feel like Yahuwah has been leading me and many of my, my close brothers uh, to understand that the angel, the angel, not an angel, but the angel of Yahuwah, like the one that was in the the um, uh, the burning bush that was speaking to Moshe, says the angel of Yahuwah was in the, the bush burning. Um, so Hagar connects the uh, the word of Yahuwah as being the angel of Yahuwah. So uh, I gotta tell you this this is why this is why the the Targums has been such a treasure hunt because I'm seeing Messiah now clearer and more than I've ever seen. It is just an absolute blessing and uh, just amazing. Uh, so let's take a look at a couple things. Let's look at the uh, Book of Jasher chapter sixteen. Uh, 23 through, let's see, 16. We're gonna, which was at 23 through 33. <clears throat> and Sarai, the daughter of Haran, Abram's wife, excuse me, was still barren in those days, and she did not bear to Abram either son or daughter. And when she saw that she bare no children, she took her handmaid, Hagar, whom Pharaoh had given her, and she gave her to Abram, her husband, for a wife. So, um, you know, this is just something that uh, it is what it is, you know. Abram, the, the, uh, the progenitor of the entire seed of Abraham, had two wives. For Hagar learned all the ways of Sarai as Sarai her, taught her. 
she was not in any way deficient in following her good ways. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, here is my handmaid, Hagar. Go to her that she may bring forth upon my knees, that I may also obtain children through her. At the end of ten years of Abram's dwelling in the land of Canaan, which is the eighty-fifth year of Abram's life, Sarai gave Hagar unto him. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai his wife, and he took his handmaid Hagar, and Abram came to her, and she conceived. And when Hagar saw that she had conceived, she rejoiced greatly, and her mistress was despised in her eyes. And she said within herself, This can only be that I am better before Elohim than Sarai my mistress. For all the days that my mistress has been with my Lord, she did not conceive. But me, Yahuwah, has caused in so short time to conceive by him. And when Sarai saw that Hagar had conceived by Abram, Sarai was jealous of her handmaid. And Sarai said within herself, This is surely nothing else, that she must be better than I am. And Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon you. For at the time when thou didst pray before Yahuwah for children, why didst thou not pray on my account that Yahuwah should give me seed from you? And when I spake to Hagar in thy presence, she despised my words, because she has conceived, and, and thou wilt say nothing to her. May Yahweh judge between me and you for what you have done to me. So basically she's saying that Abraham is the wrong because Hagar disrespected her in the presence of Abraham, and Abraham didn't say anything. Now Abraham said to Sarai, Behold, thy handmaid is in your hand. Do unto her as it may seem good in your eyes. And Sarah afflicted her, and Hagar fled from her to the wilderness. Also, we'll take a look at Jubilees 17. Wait a second here. <clears throat> Jubilees 17, uh, 16 through 17. I think we already read that. Yeah, okay. Well, it's the same thing we read. And so this is talking about the 10 trials of Abraham. So he, so one of Abraham's trials was, and he had tried him through Yishmael and Hagar, his maidservant, when he sent them away. But um, yeah, that's actually actually further down the road when uh, Ishmael was like 13, I think. So the Targums read a couple things. Um, but Sarah, the wife of uh, uh, Abraham, had not born to him, but he had a handmaid, uh, a mitz, uh, an Egyptian, and her name was Hagar, the, a daughter of Pharaoh, whom he gave to him as a handmaid at the time that he received her, being struck by the word from before Yahuwah. And she gave thanks before Yahuwah, whose word spake to her, and thus said, Thou art he who livest, art eternal, who seest, but art not seen. For she said, Behold, here is revealed the glory of the Shekinah of Yahuwah after a vision. So, uh, anyways, it's just interesting that Hagar is, in fact, royalty. Hagar was given to, uh, actually given to Sarah uh, as a handmaid when um, Abraham and Sarah went into Egypt and uh, Pharaoh took Sarah and Pharaoh was struck with plagues, gave and then gave him, you know, riches and cattle and apparently one of his daughters. So, um, Hagar is royalty. So, interesting. Very interesting. All right, last chapter. Uh, let's go to 17, and we'll finish up this Torah portion. Just a second. <clears throat> Bereshit, Genesis, chapter 17. And when Avram was ninety years old and nine, Yahuwah appeared to El Avram and said unto him, I am El Shaddai, walk before me and be perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and will multiply you exceedingly. And Avram fell on his face, and Elohim talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, 
and you shall be a father of many nations. Neither shall your name any more be called Avram, but your name shall be Avraham. For a father of many nations have I made you, and I will make you exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come out of you. And I will establish my covenant between me and your seed after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be Elohim unto you and to your seed after you. And I will give unto you and to your seed after you the land wherein you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their Elohim. And Elohim said unto El Avram, You shall guard my covenant therefore, you and your seed after you in their generations. This is my covenant which you shall guard between me and you and your seed after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every male child in your generations. He that is born in your house and he that is bought with your money must need to be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. And Elohim said unto El Avraham, as for Sarai your woman, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her, and give you a son also of her, yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations, kings of people shall be of her. Then Avram fell upon his face and laughed, and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Avraham said unto Elohim, Oh, that Yishmael might live before you. And Elohim said, Sarah, your woman shall bear you a son indeed, and ye shall call his name Yitzchak, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. And as for Yishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Yitzchak, which Sarah shall bear unto you at this set time in the next year. And he left off talking with him, and Elohim went up from Avraham. And Avraham took Yishmael his son, and all that were born in his house, and all that were bought with his money, every male among the men of Avraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the selfsame day, as Elohim had said unto him. And Avraham was ninety years old and nine when he circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael his son was thirteen years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. In the selfsame day was Avraham circumcised and Ishmael his son. And all the men of his house born in the house and bought with money of the stranger were circumcised with him. There it is, the, uh, the big day. And you know, in here, so many times it says for everlasting generations, forever, forever, every single one. There's no, there's no if, ands, or buts in, in, from my understanding. But uh, to start off in verse one, it said, um, it says, and be perfect. And this is a commandment also from Messiah Yahusha. 
you know, most of us grew up in like grew up in a thought process or a, a faith, quote unquote faith. It's like, oh, we're all sinners. And we're all just going to mess up. And that's just, you know, God just loves us anyways, you know. Uh, and that's why we're just saved by faith, because we no, we nobody can keep the law. Only Messiah can keep the law. Um, not so. He has given us now the spirit uh, so that we may walk in spirit and truth, which is uh, what Yahweh commands of us, according to John chapter 4. He have heard that it had been said, this is Matthew, I'm sorry, 5, 43 through 48. You have heard that it had been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and then hate thine enemy, uh, which, by the way, this is, it's had said, uh, this is not written because there's nowhere in the Torah it says you are to hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And this is hard. This is this is goes against the grain of what what your your insides feel like when somebody attacks you, uh, whether physically or or even sometimes worse mentally or spiritually, uh, like putting you down. Especially for this walk that we're on, you know, people you know are saying all sorts of names because we just want to keep the commandments, and that's just so weird, so different. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Anybody can do that, right? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans do so? Be therefore perfect, even as our heavenly Father, uh, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. So especially when dealing with people, uh, we should be perfect. So when someone's like cursing you or, or telling you off, bless them. Say, I, I, I hear you. May Yah bless you and um, have a great day. You know, or so, just something. Uh, and be sincere about it. Not just say, bless you. See ya. I mean, that's just that's not what he's talking about, right? Uh, verse 14, it says, um, And the uncircumcised male whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul soul shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Um, So I want to go over a couple things. Circumcision is truly uh, spiritual and physical, I believe. Uh, I don't believe the spiritual has replaced the physical, but there is a spiritual part of it. Deuteronomy 10.16, Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked. And this is uh, truly... uh, this is part of the walk. But for someone to say it's only the spiritual and not the physical, I think is wrong. That goes along the same lines as saying, you know, when Messiah said, you have heard that it has been said of old time, uh, thou shalt uh, uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, but I say unto you, if a man has uh, lusted after a woman in his heart, he has committed or he has committed adultery in his heart already. Um, so same thing with, uh, you have heard it said, you shall... Um, uh, yeah, that shall not kill, but I say unto you, he who hates his brother in his heart has committed murder already in his heart. So for us to say that the spiritual replaces the physical is to say, you know, I can go next door to my neighbor's house and commit adultery with his wife as long as I don't lust after her in my heart. It doesn't make any sense. It's both. You don't go physically commit adultery and you don't physic and you don't uh, mentally or, or in your heart commit adultery. Same thing as hate. You know, it's not just you know, 
not literally going out and murdering somebody, but it's also not hating your brother without a cause. It's both. And that's how I liken also circumcision. It's not only the physical, but it's the spiritual as well. Uh, and this is where I, you know, some of you are going to be upset with me. Uh, I'm not a, an anti-Paul guy, but I have some issues with him, and, and circumcision is one of them. Um, I, I, I'm just here to say I disagree with what he writes here, 1 Corinthians 7, 18 through 20. Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Obviously, that's not possible. So maybe there's some some foreshadowing here, like, don't, you know, go a different way. Is any called an uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Now, unfortunately, this has been taking literally uh, in millions, if not billions of people have gone through this walk and this faith not being circumcised because of this very verse. So you can say, oh, that's not what Paul was saying. Well, I'm, that's fine. And, and, you know, I might even agree with you because, again, I'm not a, an anti-Paul guy per se, but I have some issues with some of his words and some of the fruit they have borne and some of the fruit that's been born of this very verse is people not getting circumcised. And I believe that if we were to um, have to take a side, whether it be Genesis 17 or 1 Corinthians 7, um, I'm taking Genesis 17's word for it. That's the Torah. Because even in the in uh, the Torah itself says, if anybody leads you away from the commandments, that's me testing you. And I'm not here to say that you know Paul is you know purposefully leading people astray. I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe this this part was added to his letters. I really don't have any idea. But I have issue. I take issue with this. Circumcision is nothing. Like who like who can say that? And uncircumcision is nothing but the keeping me on the commandments of Elohim. Well, circumcision is one of the commandments of Elohim. Uh, and let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Um, I'm here to say that circumcision is still a commandment that has not gone, done, been done away with. Um, and I, I think that's a really slippery slope to say, you know, we don't need to be circumcised anymore. And it's only the circumcision of the heart. Because, again, we'd go be going back to this, what we were saying earlier, where, you know, I can go commit adultery as long as I don't have adultery in my heart. Or I can go commit murder as long as I don't hate my brother in my heart. It just It's silly. It doesn't make any sense. And I look at circumcision the same way. It's you can't have the spiritual without the physical uh, in this case. And same thing, people spiritualize the Sabbath. Oh, you know, Yeshua is my Sabbath every day. Um, that's not what the text says, and it's that's what it's never said. Um, and what does the Messiah say? Matthew five seventeen through eighteen. Think not that I am come to destroy the Torah or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth heaven and earth pass, which hasn't happened yet, of course, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass the Torah till all be fulfilled. Um, you know, so the circumcision has not been done away with. It's it's something that is uh, is still here. And uh, Deuteronomy 8.2, And thou shalt remember all the way which Yahweh the Elohim led you these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to prove you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or no. And quite frankly, circumcision, just to put it bluntly, is a commandment. And I don't believe it has been done away with. I don't think it's optional. I don't think that um, that if you've been called an uncircumcision to stay in uncircumcision. Uh, I just don't agree with that. And so I know uh, you may find some of my words hard and you may feel that I'm speaking against uh, the word of Elohim by speaking against Paul. Um, but, uh, you know, we've got to ask ourselves, are we going to stand for Genesis 17 uh, or not? Which says it's every male uh, for an ever. My covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. Never goes away. Ever, ever. Um, let's take a look at Jubilees 15, 24 through 34. Uh, 24 through 34 of Jubilees. 
And on the selfsame day was Abraham circumcised, and all the men of his house, and all those whom he had bought with money from the children of the stranger were circumcised with him. This Torah is for all the generations forever. And there is no circumcision of the days and no omission of one day out of the eight days, for it is an eternal ordinance. It doesn't get much clearer than that. Ordained and written on the heavenly tablets. And everyone that is born... The flesh of whose foreskin is not circumcised on the eighth day belongs not to the children of the covenant which Yahuwah made with Avraham, but to the children of destruction, nor is there moreover any sign on him that is Yahuwah's, but he is destined to be destroyed and slain from the earth and to be rooted out of the earth, for he has broken the covenant of Yahuwah Elohinu. For all the angels of the presence and all the angels of sanctification have been so created from the day of their creation, and before the angels of the presence and the angels of sanctification, he has sanctified Yashrael that they should be with him and with his holy angels. That's interesting. And do you command the children of Yisrael and let them observe the sign of this covenant for their generations as an eternal ordinance, and they will not be rooted out of the land. For the commandment is ordained for a covenant that they should observe it forever among all the children of Yisrael. For Yishmael and his sons and his brothers and, his, and Esau, Yahuwah, did not cause to approach him, and he chose them not because they are the children of Abraham, because he knew them, but he chose Yashrael to be his people, and he sanctified it and gathered it from amongst all the children of men. For there are many gener- many nations and peoples, and all are his. And over all has he placed Ruachot in authority to lead them astray from him. That's interesting, right? I, he says, I create the good and the evil. But over Yashrael, he did not appoint any angel or Ruach. We learned about this actually at the end of the last Torah portions, that he divided the nations according to the 70 angels presiding over territories. But he said specifically there was not one pr- that was supposed to be over Yashrael. But since we're in dispersion, of course, we're in the hands of one of these 70 angels. Um for he alone is their ruler, and he will guard them and require them at the hand of his angels and his ruachot, at the hand of all his powers, in order that they, he may guard them and bless them, that they may be his and he may be theirs from henceforth forever. And now I announce unto you that the children of Yashrael will not guard true to this ordinance, and they will not circumcise their sons according to all this Torah. For in the flesh of their circumcision they will omit the circumcision of their sons, and all of them, sons of Belial, will leave their sons uncircumcised as they were born. And there will be great wrath from Yahuwah against the children of Yashrael because they have forsaken his covenant and turned aside from his word and provoked and blasphemed inasmuch as they do not observe the ordinance of this Torah, for they have treated their members like the other nations so that they may be removed and rooted out of the land and there will there will be I'm sorry and there will no more be pardon or forgiveness unto them so that there should be forgiveness and pardon for all their sin of this eternal error. So if you're listening to this and you're not circumcised, uh, I would take this before Yahuwah. Pray, fast, whatever you need to do, and uh, see what he wants you to do with this because the commandments seem to be very, very clear. Let's take a look at also the Targums. We're going to read chapter 17. And uh, here is really where the gem of the Targums really comes out. Listen to this. And Yahuwah said unto Abram, Go you from your land and separate yourself from thy kindred. Go forth from the house of thy father. Go into the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great people and will bless you and magnify your name. And thou shalt be blessed. And I will bless the priest who will spread forth their hands in prayer and bless thy sons. And and Biliam who will curse them, I will curse. And they shall... Slay him with the word of the sword, the mouth of the sword, and in you shall be blessed all the generations of the earth. 
And Abraham went according as Yahweh had spoken with him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was the son of seventy and five years old at his going forth from Haran. And Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all the substance which they had acquired, and the souls whom they had proselyted in Haran, and went forth to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to the land of Canaan. And Abraham passed through the land unto the place of Shechem, and unto the plain which he had been shown. I'm skipping this. Okay. And the Canaanites were then in the land, for the time had not yet come that the sons of Israel should possess it. And Yahuwah was revealed unto Abram, saying, To thy sons will I give this land. And he built there an altar before Yahuwah, who was revealed to him. And he went up from thence to a mountain, which was eastward of Bethel, and outspread his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And he built there an altar before Yahuwah, and prayed in the name of Yahuwah. And Abraham, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, wow, I was reading the wrong one. <clears throat> Forgive me. I misunderstood. Yeah, here we go. Chapter 17, this is what I meant to read. And Abraham was a son of 99 years old, and Yahuwah appeared to Abraham and said, I am El Shaddai. Serve before me and be perfect in thy flesh. And I will set my covenant between my word and you, and will multiply you very greatly. Did you catch that? There's more. And because Abraham was not circumcised, he was not able to stand, but he bowed himself upon his face. And Yahweh spake with him, saying, Behold, I have confirmed my covenant with you, and with you shall be the father of many peoples. And thy name shall be no more called Abraham, or Abram, but Abraham shall be thy name. Because to be the father of a great multitude of peoples have I appointed you, and I will make you exceeding fruitful, and will set thee for congregations, and kings ruling over people shall come forth from you. And I have established my covenant between my word and you. The covenant has always been with a father through his son. His son, his son has always been the mediator with us. I'm getting goosebumps right now. This is so amazing. This is, the, this is one of the biggest finds of this year. And thy sons after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be Elohim to you and to thy sons after you. And I will give to you and to thy sons after you the land of thy habitation, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be to them God, uh, Elohim and to and to Yahuwah. I'm sorry, and Yahuwah said to Abraham, And thou shalt observe my covenant, you and your sons after you in their generations. This is my covenant that you shall observe between my word and you. Right? He's saying, my covenant, my covenant is between my son and you. My son is my word and you. And your sons after you, every male of you being circumcised, uh, though he have not a father to circumcise him, and you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of the covenant between my word and you. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, it's both. It's it's the spiritual circumcision of your heart and the physical. And the son of eight, to, anyway, so it just keeps going, but it's just so amazing that this was made between um, his word. It was made between uh, Yahusha pre-incarnate. Uh, before he came down and sojourned with us. So, man, just absolutely amazing. And uh, last thing I wanted to mention, that we saw Abraham, or Abram, his name being changed to Abraham, and Sarai to Sarah. And it's also interesting that in Revelation 2.17, that says that he gives his faithful people a new name. So, man, praise uh, praise be the Most High for all that. So, that all concludes our Torah portion. And uh, let's just give thanks to the Most High for revealing his word and his truth in these last days heavenly father yahuwah we just we just come before you and we're just so grateful for your word and we're just so thankful that 
you have shown us all these things in these last days that you have given us a heart of repentance uh, and given us a mind and a heart that wants to serve you uh, the way that you have ordained for the sons of Israel for all generations. Uh, we just uh, thank you for your word that you have sent from the very beginning uh, to, for our covenant to be with you through him. And we're just so thankful for revealing these things in these late hour, this late hour that we may under, try to understand you better. And we just we just thank you, Abba. You are the revealer of wisdom. You are the one that is doing all this through you through your ruach through us. And we just thank you so much. And that we ask you to continue to cultivate our lives and to prune off us what is bad and to keep that which is good. And uh, we just bless you. We just thank you. And we are earnestly waiting for you. And uh, want to be found ready in Yahusha's name. Amen and Amen. Yevarechecha Yahuwah. Veishmerecha Ya er Yahua Panavelecha Vehuneka Yisa Yahua Panavelecha Veasem Lecha Shalom Yahua bless you and keep you. Yahua make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Yahuwah lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom. Shabbat shalom, brothers and sisters. It was great studying with you. I pray that it was a blessing for you. But more importantly, I pray that this was a sweet savor before the Most High. And uh, we'll see you soon. Shabbat shalom. Rest well, brothers and sisters. We'll talk to you soon. I sing to Yahuwah, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. Yah is my strength and song, and he has become my deliverance. He is my El, and I praise him. Elohim of my Father And I exalt Him Yahuwah is a man of battle Yahuwah is His name He has cast Pharaoh's chariots And His army into the sea and his chosen officers are drowned in the sea of reeds. The depths covered them. They went down to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Yahuwah, has become great in power. Your right hand, O Yahuwah, has crushed the enemy. And in the greatness of your excellence, you pulled down those who rose up against you. You sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. And with the wind of your nostrils, the waters were heaped up 
The floods stood like a wall The depths became stiff In the heart of the sea The enemy said I pursue, I overtake I divide the spoil My being is satisfied on them I draw out my sword My hand destroys them You blew with your wind, the sea covered them They sank like lead in the mighty waters Who is like you, oh, Yahuwah Among the mighty ones Who is like you, great in Kodeshah Awesome in praises Stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. In your kindness, you led the people whom you have redeemed. In your strength, you guided them to your Kodesh dwelling. Peoples heard, they trembled. Anguish gripped the inhabitants of Pelasheth. Then the chiefs of Edom were troubled, the mighty men of Moab. Trembling grips them, all the inhabitants of Canaan melted. Fear and dread fell on them by the greatness of your arm. They are as silent as a stone. Until your people pass over, oh, Yahuwah. Until the people whom you have bought pass over. You bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. In the place, oh, Yahuwah. Which you have made for your own dwelling The meek dash, oh Yahuwah Which your hands have prepared Yahuwah reigns for 